Let's go ahead and grab our tablets, smartphones, whatever it is you want to do to follow along. <clears throat> we will have everything projected on the screen behind me, and uh, you'll be able to stay in touch. We are in week one of a four-week series called Grudges. We're dealing with grudges for these next four weeks, and that's a real exciting topic as far as I'm concerned, because there's going to be some life change that I believe is going to take place. We all have a tendency to carry those painful parts of our past with resentment, resentment against those who have hurt us, those who, who have made mistakes, the mistakes that we have made alongside of people, or even a bitterness or a bitterness that we would have toward God. In Proverbs 19.11, it says these words. It says, a person's, a, a, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is one's glory to overlook an offense. It is one's glory to be able to overlook an offense. Now, I believe that God is always looking to do a supernatural thing in our lives. I believe that. In fact, in, it says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We'll carry it all the way through. God is fully prepared to do a, a good and excellent and a complete work in you and in me that brings life change and uh, that will bring the fullness of life for each and every one of us. And even though that is true, even though all of that, this introduction that I'm doing right now is true, I'm about 99.7% sure that all of us in this room, in one way or another, have had a grudge, have had a grudge in your past. You've had to deal with your own personal grudges. Where someone has betrayed you, or someone has, has lied to us, or someone who has abused us, and we, we still carry that pain and, and the hurt and the bitterness and the resentment and even the unforgiveness that we've been walking around for quite a while, wherever we go in this life. And with that, with that hurt and with that pain, the last thing that you are expecting or the last thing that you're expecting or believing for is that God is going to do something in you. That God is going to do some kind of a, uh, a good or complete or excellent work in your life for you. I, I don't think that you're anticipating that. I think a lot of us, when we come to church, we're going to hear a little bit of something, and it'll be nice, and everybody will say, that was good. But I'm talking about where your life has changed. I'm talking for those of us who are walking around right now with grudges, right now with issues and problems that we're dealing with with other people. I'm believing God that he's going to do a complete work. Would you agree with me on that? Give me an amen. So let me say it like this. All of us, all of us have a past. All of us have been hurt. All of us have, have made poor choices. Man, I wish we could go and do that over again. I wish it could be a do-over there. Many have been given labels and walk around with that label. It's on your back or on your forehead. Many of us have walked around with guilt and shame and regret, each and every one of us. And I want to say to each and every one of you here, listen to this, God's power is always greater than your past. Eleven of us agree with that. Let me say it one more time. God's power is always greater than our past. Amen. God's truth is greater than any other current truth in life that you could ever find. Now listen, what I'm going to say to you right now is not going to be easy. It's not fun to talk about it like this. But listen, there are just some things that are true about you and that are true about me because of our past, because of poor choices, because of compromise, because of sin that we have actually earned, have actually now deserve a label. And maybe the label on the back of, on your back or wherever it may be, maybe the label is you're a liar. They've caught you, you lied to them and they now call you a liar. Or you're a cheater. 
You've been unfaithful to your spouse. You've been unfaithful. Or maybe even a thief you've stolen. But, but the good news, the good news with God for every single one of us who are here today, listen, what is true about you and me today does not have to be true about you any longer. From this day forward, for those of us who are dealing with these issues, we're going to move forward to believe God that he's going to get us through. God, through the work that Jesus has done for us on the cross, um, for all of us who would call on his name, God can and God will shatter He's going to shatter all of those titles and all of those labels that are, that are on your life right now because our God, because our God can, can, uh, God can give you a, a God-centered view of who you really are, who you really are through Christ. God looks at you completely different than the way you look at yourself the potential and the truth and the promises that God makes for us. So regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done, regardless where you come from, regardless about how bad you really are, however that may look, listen, I want to tell you this, literally, it doesn't matter to God about your past. It doesn't matter to God how bad you are. Because when you seek after and when you move toward Jesus in faith believing, then you're forgiving then you're forgiven. As you move toward God, then you're forgiven. And you become a new creation. And, and uh, the, the God-centered view of you and me when we're making that move toward God is something like this. The Bible says that the old man, the old man, not me, it's not talking about me. The old man, the old life is gone. And now a new life has begun. So whatever that ball and chain, whatever the grudges that you have, whatever these things are that you're walking around in this life and you're taking it with you everywhere you go, if you wouldn't dare to make that move toward God, the Bible tells us that that old man is going to be gone and life is going to begin anew. So I'm going to be rather quick this morning and uh, I'm going to go through this. I've got 15 more minutes, so hang with me. Here we go. I want to share with you a, a few different scenarios of getting past, getting past your past. The first area that I want to deal with is the truth be known that all of us, all of us have a past. All of us have regrets, every one of us. All of us wish we could go back and do and, and undo that sin or erase that poor decision that you made, the stupid things that you and I have done. And oh, I get it. It may not have even seemed wrong at that time. In fact, it probably felt right. It probably seemed to be all right for you. But now, but now as you look back and back and you can see the mess the mess by those choices and by those decisions. You can see the catastrophe and the pain in others who have gone through what you're going through right now, who love you and have seen what you have been going through. And now you wish, now that you realize the impact that this really made, you now wish that you could just go back and change it all. You wish you could just change it all. And we wonder, how can I ever forgive myself? How can I ever get past my past. Another thing we sometimes do is that then maybe for others at, at that time, you knew that it was a wrong thing to do. You knew that it was a wrong thing to do, but you had no idea how far reaching the consequences were going to be with what you're doing and how bad it would hurt people that you truly love. You just don't realize it at times. Don't, don't ra I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of us have had a son or a daughter Maybe even a spouse, I don't know. Boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't know. 
But how many of us have had them just walk out and they're thinking this isn't going to be a big deal? And how big of a deal this has ended up to be? Perhaps with some, with some you weren't a believer at that time. And it didn't bother you at all. You felt no guilt whatsoever with what you're doing. The decisions that you were making. The stupidity that you and I were living in for that season. But now, but now you're a believer. Now you can see with eyes wide open how sinful your past really was before God and before others, and in particular, those who love you, those who care about you, those who really do care. Today, one of the greatest self-inflicted grudges that we deal with is the idea of trying to get past my past. Instead of looking back in the rearview mirror, we want to go forward because because we've all made a lot of bad decisions. We've all done things we wish we could re get back. And the grudge, by the way, I want to define for you grudge. Grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment towards others or self from, from your past or decisions with insult and injury. Let me say it again. A, <clears throat> a grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will, resentment towards others or self or with, uh, from your past and dealing with decisions that, uh, with insult and injury. Today, I want to talk to you about forgiving ourselves. For you and I to forgive ourselves, it really, it really becomes a problem if we don't forgive ourselves. So let me give you a couple of consequences. What happens when we don't forgive ourselves? Number one, we become angry with ourselves. Some call that, when we get angry with ourselves, some call that free-floating anger. Free-floating anger. You may have heard that before. It's where you are always just a little bit angry. You are always just a little bit on the edge. And that kind of anger just below the surface. And yes, uh, the least little thing just sets you off. It just sets you off. And to those that are all around you as well, it just sets them off. It just, it, it just begins to multiply. It spreads quickly. People will try to please you, but they won't be able to. I'm telling you that no one, no one will be able to change himself or herself as long as you're holding on to the sin and the, and, uh, against yourself. So sir, ma'am, you need to make peace with your, with your past. And you got to get to the place where you can move on. That you're not living in this anger that is constantly with you. A second thing that we, we can do is that a person who doesn't forgive himself eventually transfers those feelings back to God. A person who can't forgive himself, herself, will typically transfer all of that back to God. So in other words, it's as simple as this. I don't like me. And I'm sure God doesn't like me too. You're not looking for a pity party. You're just convinced. I'm so disappointed with myself. And God must be really disappointed too. I don't think I'm a good person. And I got a lot of proof for that. So God has to think I'm not a good person. Or God may love me because he's God and he sort of has to love me. But I'm pretty convinced he, he doesn't like me. There are a couple of things that stand in the way of making peace with our past. Such as the misunderstanding about the nature of forgiveness in general. Let's talk about forgiveness. Now, more than likely you have been asked by someone who really loves you. Someone who really loves you and they know that you're going through something. They know that maybe you and your girl broke up, you and your guy broke up, or whatever the situation may be. They know something is going on. And, and somebody who knows <clears throat> that you have been offended by another person 
that well-intended person, that friend of yours, that family member, that well-intended person may ask you a question. So have you forgiven them? I mean, have you forgiven them? And of course, the right answer would actually be, yes, by the grace of God, I have forgiven them. Mm. More than likely, you didn't say it like that. More than likely, you heard somebody say, just forgive them, and you walked in the room and you said, yes, I've forgiven them. I have forgiven them, and I don't know why I had to, but I have forgiven them. Now, that to me is a grudge. That to me is a grudge. The reality is, actually, you haven't forgiven them. And I can tell certainly by your attitude, I can certainly tell by your voice that you haven't forgiven them. And another great mistake that many people make in this area of forgiveness is, is, is to that person who's offended them is that you would look them eye to eye and you would say something like this, I forgive you. I forgive you. And honestly, you think it's a done deal. When those words come off your lips and you say, I forgive you, you it's, it's like that. But listen to me, my friend. It's a mistake to think that when you say words like, I forgive you, that it's a done deal. It, 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 or a person who, who would look into a mirror and say to themselves because they're feeling bad about themselves, Randy Chiz, I forgive you, I forgive you. And you think it's a done deal. And it's not. It is not at all. It's never been like that. It's always been way more than just mere words. It's more than words. It's more than words. Actually, words are very little, has very little to do with, with forgiving another person. They really have little to do. People say that I've tried to forgive him or I tried to forgive her. No, you didn't. No, you didn't try. It's easy. It's either you forgive them or you don't. It's either you have forgiven them or you have not forgiven them. Let me say it again. It's either you do forgive them or you don't forgive them. And if right now, as I'm saying these words, <coughs> excuse me, and you can just sort of feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, it's either that you do forgive them or you haven't forgiven them. And if you right now are questioning whether you really have or have not, I'm standing on the side, you haven't forgiven them. If you have to think through whether I really did forgive, you haven't. Come on, give me at least one more amen. amen. Whenever anyone hurts you and sins against you, there is a sense. There is a sense that they have taken something away from you. And they have created what's known to be a debt-debtor relationship. A debt-debtor relationship. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, this is the Son of God who is speaking. This is Jesus. And he says these words, and he says, and forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The thought, the pro thought process behind the de debtor relationship is always you owe me. You owe me. Yeah, I caught you. You owe me. So an offense happens, whatever it is, and immediately the words that tumble off the lips, yeah, I caught you, you owe me. Right now I know that you, you owe me. So often things begin to happen and we come back with these, you owe me, let me give you a couple of examples. So, so, an, uh, uh, so a man speaks really bad about his wife. They're at a party together, there's a number of people together, and he starts mocking and saying things, or it, it would be her who would be doing that to him one way or another, but it's a spouse, spouse kind of issue. And the man speaks pub publicly bad about his wife. 
and they would say things that are rather disrespectful. And the spouse who's being offended, she's like beat red. She's getting madder and madder as she is listening to this. She doesn't say a thing to him. She doesn't stop him. She, she's going on because I personally think this woman is, is a little bit more mature than the husband is who's doing these kind of things in a public setting. Uh, and she may even have more of a commitment in this relationship than what this guy has. But when they're driving home, oh boy, does he get it. You owe me. Why did you say that? Why would you do that? What's going on between us that I don't know or don't understand? <coughs> if it's not a husband and wife relationship, many times it's a parent-child relationship. A mother or a father would walk out of the family. They're gone. The kids come home from school. They're gone. Didn't know it was going to. They're gone. They're, they're gone. And as a result of all of that, of course, the kids are just in, uh, turned upside down, inside out, not sure uh, where to go and what to do. And so all of a sudden, the, one of them comes home. Dad comes home. He decides that he's just going to stop by, come home. And dad, as dad comes home, the, the, the son, let's take the son. The son would say, you owe me, dad. Where have you been? Why did you walk out? I'm your son. You're supposed to be with me. You're supposed to be raising me. You're supposed to be with me at school. You're supposed to be with me in, in sports. You're supposed to be with me at church. Why did you walk out? Why did you walk out? Well, you owe me, dad. You owe me. You see, whenever there is that sin, hurt, and pain, there's always that debt-debtor relationship that has been created. But listen, there are things that we can do that we can immediately pay back for the offense that we have, that we have taken or we have done. So it's possible to actually pay a person back on that debt relationship, but there's a catch. There's a catch to all of this. When you have sinned against yourself, when you have, have caused uh, there to be a debt-debtor relationship within yourself. How do you pay them back? Well, there's a lot of things. There's many things that we can do with ourselves with all of that. Remember, remember, there's a trap in doing this. There's a trap in trying to make things happen in and of your own strength and self. You see, what they have done, they've disappointed themselves. They've sinned against themselves. They, they created a debt relationship within themselves. So in other words, there's this thing that I have done that was wrong, wrong to me, wrong to everybody. And I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that I did that one night stand. What was I thinking? How could I stoop so low to just get into a relationship that way? So wrong for me, my convictions. Oh, and then there are those who, <coughs> who think that what they can do is that they can promise God. They think that they can promise God and, and promise themselves and they're going to work harder. They're going to try harder than ever before. They're going to be better than they've ever have been. But that's, that's a deal that's not going to last because there's no one who, who is so disciplined that for the rest of their lives that they're going to be able to keep that promise. You, you can't do that. It, it's, it's just not going to work that way. It won't happen. So some good news that I have. I've said all of this. I got a, some really, I, the ending is going to be really great. So hang with me in case the beginning isn't very good at all. I've said, I've said all of this for the conclusion. Listen to me. God has provided a way to get out of your dilemmas. The God of heaven, your heavenly father, God has made a way for you and me to get away from our 
our dilemmas that we're in, to get away from having this grudge and walking around with a grudge for the rest of our lives. God has made a way for that. Listen, God has put his law in your heart, the Bible tells us. In Psalm, Psalm uh, 40, verse 8, it says these words, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. This is what David says. Your law is within my heart. God has put his law into our heart. There is something, there is something deep within you uh, put there by God himself, and you can't escape it. You can't run from this. It's in you. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer right now, this thing is in you because God created you. And the good news is <clears throat> the guilt, the pain, the crud, the regret that's in your life is the key for you to be able to find Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I have a little note here to tell you about my July 5th, 1971 experience, but I'm not going to because we don't have time for that today. But there is everybody comes to an aha moment. When you receive Christ, you begin to realize this is way bigger than just me getting tinglies and feeling pretty good. This is something that God is doing to change, to change our lives. If that's happened to you, give me an amen. Come on. <clears throat> the guilt of the past, the, the, guilt, uh, the guilt of your past is evidence that there really is a God. So our moral lawgiver, he stands alongside of us. Even if you're not a believer right now, our moral lawgiver stands alongside of us because he wants you to know that he can set you free. He wants you to know that he can change things. So in the midst of, of discomfort and pain, that same lawgiver has provided a way out, which is God's solution for you and I to get past our past. It's incredible. Let me read to you a couple of more verses and we're going to be out of here. It says here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, these are incredible verses. This is astounding to me personally. Verse 13, and it says that when, when you were dead in your sins, did you hear this? When you were dead in your sins, is what the scripture says. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, listen, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us all our sins. Now listen, listen. While you were hopelessly separated from God, dead in your sin is what the Bible says. Dead in your, in other words, should you have died a physical death, you're not making it to heaven because you're loaded with sin. And we need to be forgiven in order to get to heaven. You need to believe God for that. And when, when you were completely separated from God with no hope, no hope, right there and right then, God made a move towards you. And now after, and not after you made a decision to move toward God, but God moved on you first. When there was no hope for you, sir, when there was no hope for you, ma'am, God made a move toward you. For again, going back again to verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all our sin. He made you alive in Christ. He forgave you and me all of our sin, the Bible says. All of our sin. Of all of our sin. He forgave us of all of our sins. And how could God do that? Verse 14. And God, having canceled, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he was taking it away by being nailed on the cross. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. What Jesus on the cross did, which is in keeping with the debt-debtor relationship, what Jesus had done is that he had canceled the written code 
Now, back then, if you had a debt and you needed to pay it off and you went to a person to give you a few hundred bucks, whatever the number would be, whatever you needed, there would be a debt-debtor relationship that would begin. Now, you would have to sign your name away, just like we do all over the place. Sign your name away and make your promises. But what God did, what God did, knowing that all of these things typically do happen, what God did, that same God took that certificate of debt that we owed him, that we owed God, not just, not just another person. I, I'm sure I have disappointed you. I'm sure that I've done wrong. I'm sure that I've said something that was offensive, and I don't want to do that ever. But I'm a human. You aren't, obviously. You're feeling sorry for me that I'm human and you're not a human because you never, never mind. Let me go on so I can close and get out of here. The Bible says that same God, our Heavenly Father, took that certificate of debt that we owed God and nailed it to the cross in Calvary. It went down with all the rest of the sin that he had, he had taken it down from the cross of Calvary. And God said that because of the sacrifice of his, his son on that cross, your debt with God is canceled. Why aren't you happy about that? <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to give you one more chance to really get excited about it because whether you know it or not, if this didn't happen, you and I wouldn't be going to heaven today. So that part of my note, it says this. God said that because of the sacrifice of his son on the cross, our debt is canceled. All right, hallelujah. <coughs> and God says, you don't owe me you don't owe others and you don't owe yourself, which means that you don't have to forgive yourself because yourself has already been forgiven by God. And you are not, you're not needing to go around and try to forgive yourself. You're already forgiven. What you need to do is to change your mind. You need to start thinking the way the Bible talks to us and start realizing that you can be forgiven. You are forgiven by God himself. Maybe there's going to have to be a reconciliation. Maybe there's going to have to be a one-on-one -on -one between you and him, you and her, however it may be. But as far as God is concerned, my friend, your sins are forgiven. It says in Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Can we do that? Would you all stand to your feet? Would you all please just stand to your feet? I want to make a, an opportunity for those of you who are here today and maybe have never really given your life to Christ yet. We're not asking you to join our church. You are welcome to come anytime you would like. But what we are asking of you right now is that, that maybe today you would let Christ come into your heart and into your life. Because that's only something you can do. I can't make that happen for you. You need to do that. You need to do that. So would you please bow your heads and close your eyes real quick with me. If you're here today and you're just sensing something that's in this room, I'm sensing that I'm feeling a, a peace, I'm feeling a hope, I'm feeling a direction, I'm feeling a comfort. My, my friend, that's not because of Word of Life Church. That's because God is with us. And He's trying to tug on your heart. He's trying to make Himself known to you in wonderful ways. And only you can make this happen for yourself. So while heads are bowed, please, and eyes are closed, I'm going to pray a, a simple prayer that you could receive Christ as your Savior. You're not coming to my church. You're not coming to Word of Life. You're, we're talking about you and God. 
And as I pray this prayer aloud, very simple, very short, I'm going to ask you to repeat that after me. Now, you can say it out loud with your lips. You can move your lips and say it yourself or whisper it in your own mind and heart as long as you're talking to God because you need, you need to have him as your Lord and Savior. So pray this prayer with me if you would. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my life. And I admit to you that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to become the Lord and the leader of my life. And I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Come on, say that. And I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would, please. If you prayed that prayer with me this, this morning, I'm going to look from my left going to my right. If you have asked Christ to come in, would you please just lift up your hand? I want to I thank you for doing that. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Any hands over here on my left? Thank you, dear. Thank you, sir, in the back. Any others over here? I'm coming over. I'm into the center left. Anybody over there? Give me a wave. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to the right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Any others on my right side as I'm going over? This is fun. I love seeing it. Come on. Let's start giving the Lord a round of applause. The good things that God is doing. If that's you, give me a wave. Give me a wave. We want to encourage all of you that if you have never been a part of our one-on-one -on -one spiritual coaching that we do, learning to follow Jesus, over here to my right is, is, uh, is uh, Lavelle James. I couldn't remember your first name, sorry. James is over here. I've only known him 25 years. Um, but anyhow, James is over there, and he will just take your name and number and let you go on your way, okay? They'll, they'll do that. We also have intercessors who are here. They've been praying for the whole service. They're going to be here waiting for you to come. If you would like prayer for anything, anything whatsoever, and we're going to, we're, we, we will encourage you to be a part of that. But what we're going to do right now is that we're going to excuse you. We're going to let you go. We're not going to sing our last and final song. It's already been sung, so we're going to leave. Let's pray God's blessing as we go. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the provisions of God and the grace of God. Lord, I pray that you will be with each and every one of us who are here today that call Word of Life to church. Would you bring your blessing, your, your favor, and provision, Lord? Help us as we go through this series. It's a challenge, but God, with God, all things are possible.